not having the clarity and hoping okay. that you will close plenty of deals. And actually, you know, if you have in the pipeline, you're a salesperson and you don't make a deal every week, like the length of the sales process in a week is not a week, is for instance, three months, and you have there 40 deals, 30 deals that tells mm-hmm. something wrong about it. Because the yeah. pipeline is that the deal should flow from one side to another or be removed. And if you have them, four of them in the pipeline are stuck, then you have problem with managing the sales cycle and you have problems then with your focus because uh, you don't close that much at the end of the day. Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is building great sales teams. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. I've got a special guest all the way from the Czech Republic today, Jacob Hahn. He's the CEO and co-founder of SalesDoc, which is a sales as a service company. They define sales processes, plans, KPIs, and bonus structures. And they also assist in the CRMs, recruiting, and sales training. Jacob's uh, favorite quote is, it pays to think before you act. Jacob, welcome to the show, brother. Hi, Doc. Thanks for having me on the show. Awesome. And so I think everyone has a quote that kind of resonates with them. And uh, for me, it's, uh, it's uh, the rent. Oh, my goodness. Success is not owned. It's leased. And the rent is due every day. So that's like one of my favorite quotes. It's at the bottom of my email signatures. So why, why is yours? It pays to think before you act. Well, uh, because then sometimes you can do the work a little bit better if you just spend five minutes, ten minutes before you start doing the thing and uh, you realize, okay, maybe I'm heading the wrong direction. Uh, and then you can, well, w- once you think a little bit upfront, then uh, you, can get, you can go way faster because I've made so many, so many mistakes, which is okay at mm-hmm. the one point of time that uh, with uh, just trying to follow my first best guess but uh, once i get older and more wiser i say okay rush but slowly right and what's that other quote uh measure twice cut once yeah measure twice cut once yeah we have the same excellent so so that's nice (laughs) yeah i also like yours this one is nice success is not yeah absolutely and and another one is also luck is an attitude you were you know that oh, there's yeah. no luck in the in the life. It's more about yeah. Mm-hmm. You usually don't win the big customer by sitting in your on your sofa in the living room, right? Yeah. Okay. So we can go we can go back and forth on this because uh, so we develop you know we, we we do something similar, but it's mainly for small businesses, home service based, right? And um, one of the things that I put at the bottom of every comp plans is um, sales are determined by the attitude. Sales are not determined by the attitude of the prospect. They are determined by the attitude of the salesman. And so yeah. that's the quote that I put at the, the bottom of every comp plan, basically that they control their destiny in, in those terms. But, okay, so why the why sales doc? Why that name for your company? Well, uh, you know, one of the things is that it's a little bit, uh, you have to choose also the name based on the available domains, which is uh, <laughs> which is kind of a big trouble if you want to get a com domain. 
but mm -hmm. uh, also in a way uh, it represents what we wanted to do and what we're still doing that uh, where your port where your dock or where you get uh, uh, where you could park your sales problems and we solve them, uh, solve them for you or yeah. with you and since uh, we actually started a little bit differently at the beginning, we were more into in sales outsourcing. Uh, okay. So you could get BDRs from us. But over the time, we converted more into the consultancy and full service B2B sales agencies. So, uh, yeah, instead of just defining processes and, uh, and uh, training salespeople, we got also into the recruitment. And we have a new subsidiary company, which does the CRM implementation. So... Nice. Everything you get that uh, under one roof. No, that's beautiful, and I I definitely understand the different the different levels of that because I started out as a dealer for AT and T, oh, nice. and so they outsourced their door to door sales to us. And now, you know, thirteen years later, I'm a consultant, and basically I build the sales program, and then the the client deploys it, and then I kind of maintain it after that, right? as like a fractional CSO, you know, role. But, you know, I definitely understand. And that was going to be like, my next question is, do you all still do some of that where, okay, they don't have any salespeople, they don't have a sales division and you go in and you act as the sales division. Do you all have people in your company that do that still? Or is it more, you're going to build it out? Yeah, we can build it out for them. So in a way, if we have a company which doesn't have uh, any head of sales or head of BD in place, and they might have one salesperson or no salespeople, uh, so then our proposition is, okay, we give you interim head of sales who can build it up everything from scratch for you, uh, put the team on the numbers, uh, hit, let them hit the quota, and once everything is up and running, we find a replacement for us and do everything what we've done, uh, what we do during the cooperation. We uh, we process it, documented it, and then mm -hmm. we do the handover to the new head of sales. I like that. I like that a lot. It, it, it makes a ton of sense because you really do need to be hands-on in the beginning and then you're able to yep. train somebody else to take over after that once you've developed everything within the, the, the division. Yep. And for us, one more thing. This one is super important for us because we're, we're still in the markets, you know. So if we do consultancy afterwards, it's not the, that we have five year or 10 years. So all the frameworks every, every time we update them once we finish any of our projects. Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. Yeah. But it's for us. Okay, so I do a group, uh, we have a group consulting that we do every Monday, right? And this past Monday, uh, the subject was uh, systematic performance management. And it, it was just a, mm -hmm. a term that I essentially made up on the spot, right? And so nice. the, the way that, <laughs> you like that? The way that I outline yeah. it uh, is, okay, it's, it's managing salespeople with systems and metrics, you know, so I, mm -hmm. I believe at a foundational level that the metrics and systems should create a red flag, right? And say, basically, hey, there's an issue here. There's a conversion rate issue. There's a uh, production issue. Or uh, one of my favorites to manage on is controllable actions, right? So mm -hmm. if my, my sales model is telemarketing, then it's how many calls are they making every day? That's a controllable action versus how many... Uh, appointments that they're setting and then deals they're closing, that's a different, that's a performance metric in my mind. And so 
when it comes to managing salespeople on metrics, what are the kind of the metrics you like to focus on? And um, how do you, I guess, what is the performance improvement plan that you like to put in place based on that? Maybe an example. Yeah, uh, firstly, I think I will uh, I will use your term. <laughs> so okay. should I always quote you? Or have, <laughs> you have trademark no, you're already? fine. <laughs> it, it's like okay. a $20 word, right? <laughs> exactly. No, it's a really good one. Um, yeah, so w- when it comes to the metrics, I know what to look at the look at the sales team is quite a broader question. Um, depends a lot on what type of company you have. But in general, where do we start? I will start a little bit uh, from a different angle and I get to that. Uh, for me, it's a lot about setting up the right mindset of the salespeople as well. Okay. So because uh, very often uh, in the sales department, you see a lot of uh, fake optimism, hoping and uh, bullshit when, it, when you talk about the pipelines. Mm-hmm. And I don't want salespeople, if you have account executives on, on one-on-one review, I don't want them to to lie me or to hope that they will close a lot of deals uh, uh, during that quarter. For me, it's more important be as honest as you can, uh, as, mu- as much as you can. And let's, rather on the pipeline review, let's look at the things, uh, how we can ensure that the, that the deal will go through. So mm-hmm. be a little bit more critical about the opportunities. What can we do? What can we do better? And that's also the same what we do on every step, uh, on every position in sales. So that's about a mindset thing because then it makes a little bit easier for you to handle handle the whole sales. So when we look at the, look at the account executives uh, as a position, so well, obviously the most important thing is the quota. Uh, are they are they hitting it or not? And you can have some leading indicators how many how many meetings you had. Uh, well, not a but what we look at as well is the weighted value of the pipeline. And for that, you need to have clearly defined sales process. If your sales process is defined on, on the level, uh, here is an introductory call, some negotiation, proposal, or a negotiation closing, and there you don't have anything below that, so it's not clearly defined what does it mean, then it's hard to how to predict the pipeline. So either have it, either used to... You can have, uh, I don't know, a MatPick score for that. So you know how to stand with uh, with your economic buyer, champion, and so on. Or you can have uh, what we use very often is milestone-based sales process. So we have clearly defined if you want to move from one stage to another stage, there are four milestones which you have to have completed. If you don't have, if you don't have them completed, you cannot move forward. And that gives mm-hmm. us clarity into the pipeline and uh Combined with the with the right mindset, we can speak. Uh, we can talk uh, with salespeople about how what's the expected uh, delivery that month and the next month, or by the end of the quarter, depending mm-hmm. on how long the sales cycle is. And if that is implemented correctly, the accuracy which we get is plus minus 10, 15 percent. Uh, so we we can expect 100k by the certain period of time, and uh, uh, the salespeople. Are, uh, either deliver 900 or, or 90 or 110, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is uh, when it comes to the account executives. When it comes to BDRs, uh, again, we primarily look at the output and the quality of the output. So usually you get yeah. the meetings or valuable conversations. Uh, if you have long sales process, 
then uh, you try to also somehow say, hey, just don't schedule the meetings, but I want to have the meetings that convert because you don't mm -hmm. optimize on one conversion from lead to meeting. You optimize on the whole funnel from lead to meeting to, to revenue and that the customer stays with you afterwards and make some upsell. Mm -hmm. uh, so there we look at... Uh, Usually it's a combination of how many sales qualified meetings are scheduled and then either what is the what is the revenue of them or what is the pipeline value created. If you do some enterprise sales which take 12 months, then you cannot let BDRs wait for the commission for 12 months from the closing the business. Uh, then we usually define it on a way uh, 50% goes from the meetings and 50% goes from the from the pipeline value. Uh, we rarely put a commission on the activities uh, that salespeople do. On the other hand, we co constantly measure them because you see, hey, this guy was not prospecting enough. So yeah. then you can tell him in 14 days or three, uh, three weeks, uh, you, won't hit your, you won't hit your quota. But how are you going to hit it if you're not prospecting? <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, so this is more like a leading uh, indicator, but we don't put bonuses on that because then uh, you, sometimes you get the false motivation that the people then start right. just blasting, blasting around emails or doing callings and without any output, just for the sake of getting and getting the commission. So, my my biggest takeaway from what you said is, you know, and you inherently know this being being in sales for as long as we have, right? But if you have a certain amount of leads that come in or you have a certain amount of, let's just say, cold prospecting that, that gets done every week, based on that initial input, you can determine the output as long as your pipeline is measured properly and you're setting expectations of when someone can move from one stage to the next. I, I think yep. that's huge and that's incredibly important because, you know, and, and I don't know if y'all deal with this overseas, but over here, it's, it's like you said, it's a lot of people, you know, pumping up numbers that don't really exist. You know, one of the worst things that I see is the go high level screenshot. I don't know if you've seen this before. Like, uh, do, you, do, you, do you know, go high level the CRM? No, no, no. Okay. So this is, this is one of the most popular CRMs in the U S right. And uh, HubSpot is another one. Right. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Salesforce, Salesforce is another one. Okay. Right? Go high level is, is a fair, fairly newer and up and coming, uh, but it's very user friendly. And so a lot okay. of uh, small businesses are adopting. it. And so, um, but it has this pipeline snapshot and the pipeline shows every dollar that's in the pipeline. And so people always post these pipelines with millions of dollars in them and about how successful they are. And it's like, you could you could yeah. put millions of dollars in your pipeline all day you could literally write it in there and it doesn't mean anything you know and so That's i can true. see how what you're talking about happens so much to where they're pumping up the numbers and they're getting excited and everything but none of it is dollars in hand absolutely yeah uh you know at the beginning uh when we were dealing primarily with european teams i thought uh, oh yeah this is what's happening in europe but uh, mm -hmm. then we started training also the U.S. teams that I could see exactly the same patterns because guys, because you guys, you're more natural salespeople, but the yeah. lack of structure and the lack of oh, yeah. honesty in the in the pipeline is still is no, still the same. It's real. I couldn't agree with you more, especially you know when you get into like roofing companies and solar companies and all this other stuff. It's like they'll say, "Oh yeah, we did a, a million dollars last month," but you know they're just the sales arm. 
So they only got 300,000 of that million, you know what I'm saying? And so the rest is in fulfillment, you know? And so, um, yeah, it's definitely an issue over here, but, but going back to what you said, I, I did love that. Right. So if they want to go, they want to take the, that person from prospect to lead, there needs to be a, a, a minimum standard in order to do that. Right. If they want to take them from lead to appointments, well, we need certain information in order to schedule the appointment. I mean, that's, that's massive. Absolutely, and one one more thing, which I, or another perspective, which I wanted to uh, to put into that. For me, whenever I'm delivering a workshop or we're on the stage uh, at some conference, my mm-hmm. like my f- question is, do you know what's the number was the number one killer of the tech companies of the startups? And it's like having maybe in the pipeline, not having the clarity, and hoping okay. that you will close plenty of deals, and actually, you know. If you have in the pipeline, you're a salesperson and you don't make a deal every week, like the length of the sales process in a week is not a week, is for instance, three months, and you have there 40 deals, 30 deals, that tells something mm-hmm. wrong about it. Because the yeah. pipeline is that the deal should flow from one side to another or be removed. And if you have them, four of them in the pipeline are stuck, then you have problem with managing the sales cycle and you have problems then with your focus because uh, you don't close that much at the end of the day. Absolutely, yeah. I finally, you know, and it, it, it's funny, we do this for a living, right? And we're very good at it with our clients, but then ourselves internally, it's like, oh yeah, I'll get to that later. <laughs> <laughs> and so I finally got to it last week. And I think I had probably maybe like 20 people in the proposal given stage, you know? And uh, yeah, proposal given stage. And I, I eventually moved 10 of them over to the dead stage because they were not responding yeah. anymore. It was over. <laughs> like I needed to just purge those. So it happens. But now it's better for you, right? Because now you yeah. see, hey, I have the 10, 10 opportunities or deals in my pipeline I can work on. And probably it's not enough for me to hit my internal goals or goals defined for the company. So then you have to go out and find the new ones. But if you have 30 Absolutely. of them in the pipeline, then you hope, hey, actually some of, at least if 10 of them will... We'll win it, yeah. which is 30%. That's not that bad. Then no, I'm safe, but you're not. <laughs> uh, 100%. So one of the things, you know, working, being a small business for so long and, and working mainly with small businesses, not really working in, in the corporate structure, what, what is the difference for you between an account executive and a business development rep? Well, account executive for me, I understand and define the role always is the one who manages primarily from the meeting till closing. Sometimes the role is combined at twenty percent of the of the time they spend prospecting and putting putting their own leads into the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Whereas the business development, either either they are limited just to schedule the meetings or create opportunities, or sometimes the business development manager. It's like uh, he manages the whole sales cycle from getting the lead to closing. Oh, I got you. So it can be a sales manager, but it can also be the one that that generates the leads from, uh, I guess, higher level relationships. That makes a yeah. ton of sense. Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, because um, I'm a strong uh, ambassador of uh, professionalization and specialization uh, in the sales teams. So as soon as you can, you start uh, defining clear low roles for the salespeople like hey you're processing the inbound leads 
up until the opportunity. Then from the opportunity, someone, the account executive will come on the meeting, take over the lead, uh, take, o- take over the opportunity, make a business. And then after he makes a business, hands over to account manager. Because each of them, in the, and then you have small and medium business level, or you can go enterprise mm-hmm. level. Uh, you can go different verticals, whatever applies for your business. Um, because each of the each of the salesperson, each of the role has its specifications, and the person who is the best at cold calling and scheduling the meetings doesn't have to be the best one who then can go on the meetings and close the business. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So with all that in mind, you know, I was going to talk a little bit about outbound strategies and then kind of parlay into you know the setter closer manager model, right? And so um, let's kind of skip over the outbound strategies real quick and talk about that, what, what you just went through. Because, uh, you know, that's what we call that setter, closer, and then account manager, right? Oh, okay. And so do you use that as an opportunity structure? Is that how you kind of like the new people coming into the company, they're the appointment setters, you know, the, and then when they get promoted, they get promoted to account executive or AKA closer. Is, is that kind of how you structure the opportunity, like long-term for entry-level sales reps? Can be applicable, uh, but not all of the meeting setters, how we call them, or BDRs have the skill set uh, or have the capability to move into the account executive. It could be that the, if they're good leaders, they can move into BD, BDR managers, meaning they're uh, managing another, another BDRs. Or it also could be that they will become the experienced BDR who can then help you develop the Fortune 500 type of clients where you have to have really senior guy who knows how to call, who knows how yeah. to lead conversation with executives. And he works hand in hand with the with uh, with account executives. The thing is, uh, I think uh, yeah, when I check out the latest report on the BDR role, the, so the meeting setter, Usually the person, the median time when they stay with you is 17 months. Uh, so then they move somewhere, somewhere else. So you better, you better also look at the, look at the career path for them. And I think it could be, it depends on the organization, which you have, uh, but uh, we do that on the individual base when we, that we see where the person is the strongest. So after, I, I, after half of a year, we get more specifically, hey, so let's set up the career, career journey for you. I think it's interesting uh, between, between small business and enterprise level business, right? Because it, in my mind, the, the BDR would be the, mo- the most experienced one on the team. You know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah. they, they, would, they would be above an account exec in the sales process, right? And so... But what you're saying is at an enterprise level, they're probably in the sales process, at least they're probably the first person that actually gets that lead, kind of like what we talked about earlier. And then they set appointments for their account executives to close them. And so the, they tend to be the most experienced person in the enterprise level too, right? But just in, in yep. a different point in the sales process, I feel like. Yeah, well, bit. it depends on... Uh... Yeah. So, uh, just correct me if I'm uh, uh, if I don't answer it correctly. So, you, you say uh, in your type of business, uh, the the most senior one is the op- the the opens the uh, the door, and then somebody takes over and close the deal. That's uh, what you're well, saying. I, 
I realized I said it wrong. The least senior person is the one that opens the door. So that's the setter yeah, yeah, is yeah. what we call it. Yeah, that's the setter yeah, is what we call it. We don't call it a BDR. But in the software world, the BDR is the first one versus in the in the home service world, the, the uh, setter is the first one that, that gets that appointment. You know, so it's it's basically the entry level position in the sales org. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The same. Yeah. The same. Same for software. The BDR is usually the entry level. You start cold oh, calling, okay. getting there. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, this is this is the same. And then you have account executive who is more senior and more expensive. That's also the way how you do the professor uh, specialization because uh, the cost. You look at the cost per per meeting and then the mm -hmm. cost per deal, and you can. If set it correctly, you can have it cheaper with the BDRs uh, in the team. And uh, once they get more experienced, they are the ones. Uh, so those are the BDRs with three to five years of experience, and they can develop the the, uh, the big enterprise clients. Meaning, okay. uh, still, uh, still, they are quite senior. But the account executive, on the other hand, uh, is way more senior as well. So this is the mm -hmm. guy then who handles the multi-billion uh, multi-million deals uh, in a yearly subscription so that's okay. so and uh, the bdr or account development representative works hand in hand with him okay now that makes a ton of sense okay so i have a a mentor of mine and he he owns a company called phone sites and it's a us-based company and basically what they do is they uh they make it very easy for you to build a website a funnel mm -hmm. or a, mm -hmm. a landing page, a contact page from your cell phone, right? It's super easy to use. It comes with templates. You drag and drop. You know, anybody can can develop these things. And they're typically sales-centric sites, you know, and, and they're probably the better ones at the business card page, right? And so mm -hmm. how would you recommend a company like that go international, right? probably 95% of their consumer base is uh, US based. And so how would they kind of break into maybe um, South American market or overseas market? Well, um, for that, I would have to need a little bit more uh, specifically for this company, but I'll try to mm -hmm. giving you the answers. Well, the, the question is, uh, whether they're, I guess they're going to be inbound driven because usually, so those are small deal sizes. And mm -hmm. uh, in comparison, like, uh, I guess people will are not spending 20K yearly right. on their platform. It's like uh, 250 to 350 per account. And so, and then with oh, that oh. account, with that account, you're able to make multiple, you know, unlimited sites essentially. So it's a very low, low cost. Yeah. Well, this is a more about product-led growth and more about uh, having the inbound marketing, generating the leads. Uh, mm -hmm. Involving sales salespeople would be, is that 300 a yearly or monthly? Yearly. Yearly, oh, okay. So involving I think they have a 49 a month product and then they have like oh. a 350 a year or something like that, yeah. So the, yeah, 100% okay. having salespeople, it'd be hard to pay them, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And uh, even just calling the customers uh, would be too, even the ones uh, that uh, they generate as leads would be quite uh, costly yeah. for them. So they do, order they to... do have a, they do have an enterprise product. So I, I would imagine that's more oh, okay. of a custom, custom pricing for uh, the enterprise companies. Yeah. 
Yeah, so this one is actually the one that you can afterwards uh, either generate leads inbound or you can uh, you can set up the outbound team. In general, outbound team doesn't pay off if your ticket is lower than 20,000 uh, yearly subscription. Usually okay. when you calculate the cost and the output which you get from the outbound team and and whatever, and then uh, expected, uh, expected close rate of the business, uh, the matter, yeah, it, you will not get the positive uh, ROI which you would like to get uh, okay. on that. Well, and then uh, for sure, like if, well, then it's about uh, who, like the typical stuff, who is your ideal customer profile if you want to involve the sales? Because you have to have very, uh, very focused and dedicated sales, person, sales team for, for a typical market or vertical. So if you want to go for enterprise clients in South America, you shouldn't hire a SMB salesperson in Europe. It doesn't make sense. Right. And trying to target uh, too many, then means uh, you don't target anybody. Uh, so that would be for me defining who is the ideal customer profile. Check it out with the how is uh, also on my side. If I want to go enterprise and I want to go to Germany, but I don't have German pre-sale, I don't have a German support, then I would rather not to go there. If I have uh, if I have just uh, English speaker in my company, let's go mm-hmm. for the company or for the markets where I can survive with the English speaker, uh, speakers or Spanish speakers, because then you have the whole South America or almost the whole South America. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is also to take into the consideration what are the capabilities in the company. Very often companies think, hey, I have this amazing product, so I get an expensive salesperson who, talk, who seems to be like the guy who knows. And I just put him there and it brings me the business and the magic will happen. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. Uh, it's like uh, if you're in Formula One, you also have uh, Verstappen or uh, Lewis Hamilton, but they're uh, who are the ones riding the Formula. But then you have the whole team uh, who, who runs the whole business and uh, who supports mm-hmm. them in order to, to win the race. And exactly, that's the same. Uh, that's the same with the with the sales teams. Don't expect the magic. You have to prepare the structure for them. Right. Uh, so, to give you to answer it, I would firstly think of what are my capabilities in house, what I have already, uh, mm-hmm. where I'm the strongest. Oh, another one is uh, define a customer where I can leverage my capabilities, uh, which I have in house, and also I can earn quite a lot of money on that, and the market is big enough. Uh, mm-hmm. selling to telco for ten thousand dollars a year it's not really good uh, good business if you go to telco right. you have to sell at least for 100k 200k and the third one build then for the uh, build exactly for the vertical for the market for the size of the customer you select build the team which suits the uh, suits the best for that because i've seen uh, many 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 companies failing they say okay we go the we do the enterprise sales, but uh, we have the small, medium business uh, salespeople mm-hmm. and enterprise sales is totally different, uh, d- different discipline with uh, where you have more of the seniority. Mm-hmm. I am curious about that. And so I guess what is the enterprise, what is the, the prospecting and the sales cycle for an enterprise sale look like versus a uh, small business or medium business sale? Yeah, uh, the prospecting doesn't is not that different. Okay, well, uh, in a way, if I have BDR, I put him uh, on prospecting. Uh, let's say in the small medium business, they can make ten to twelve meetings a month. 
sales qualified leads. If I uh, if then he does enterprise uh, prospecting, uh, he produces something between five to eight, five to nine. So it goes a little bit lower. For sure, you have uh, you need to have a little bit different. You have to personalize more in a way that uh, you're more relevant because your target audience is very narrow. So mm-hmm. instead of having thousands of uh, thousands of prospects, yeah, uh, just for you, yeah, for instance, two thousand prospects for the whole company yeah. around the globe. If you target yeah. telco, there are two two thousand telcos around the globe, and you have few BDRs for that. So each of them will have only lower hundreds of uh, of telcos where they constantly engage with them and they know the telco quite well. They read their annual reports. So they try to find there some information which they can use uh, to prospect and uh, be relevant for the telco, uh, connected with their product and service and uh, be relevant. Whereas in the small medium, this, like you don't read annual reports of the smaller companies if you have right. 5,000 prospects in your in your pipeline. So that's so that's how it, how it is different from, from the BDRs. Um, then when it comes to the account executives, if you do small medium business, the deal is between one to four months to close it. You usually get involved uh, with just several stakeholders, uh, meaning uh, 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 from the theory perspective, you should get involved with five or seven uh, stakeholders on the deal size, on that type of cost, uh, customer. But usually salespeople get with one or two because uh, there's one person <laughs> who decides yeah. about everything and buy some solution that they will use or uh, you can so, uh, so at the enterprise level it's going to a vote and that's why you're doing yeah that. okay yeah that makes a lot of and sense in enterprise in enterprise level you you don't close the, the business on the second or third meeting you on average have i don't know 12 13 meetings within six to 12 months all of them, on each of them, you have to be very well prepared because uh, your counterpart is very professional. And if you fail it, then there's not a salesperson from the competition who who is like top-notch salesperson. Mm-hmm. More, more of that, you have to be very well aware of your sales process because if you aren't, uh, and if you don't have it mapped, then you get easily lost. You know, the sales process takes 12 months. Not a thing which, is, uh, which salespeople tend to forget is to... Uh, is to involve and work proactively with the stakeholders because you have to build their several champions. You have to, uh, if you don't have champions inside of the company who sells on your behalf in the enterprise, once you're not in the company, uh, majority of the business happens where, where you're not there. Uh, so they yeah. have those internal discussions, and you have to have the, uh, you have to have the ambassadors who have the power. Uh, who have the influence and who have the also personal interest on having you on board. Uh, by personal interest, I don't mean bribes. Uh, by personal right. interest, I mean that they get benefit from your solution. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't have them, you don't make this business. Then you have to also involve with the decision makers and talk to them. And then the question is, how can I get to the CEO of that biggest company, or how can I talk to that broker? I and if I get to him, I shouldn't invite him for the demo or product demo, which also happen very often, and that's uh, that's why it fails. So. It's a little bit different, <laughs> different discipline. And then also, uh, I mentioned the stakeholders. Uh, so you say I don't have champion, or I have two, and I should get another two 
Uh, so how, how can I get them? How can I build them? Who should, who should be that person? And those all the questions, there's somebody who doesn't like us, so how can I uh, prefer competition? How can we neutralize the competition in the, in the deal size? And yeah. how can we talk to all of them, which are included in the sales process? Because if we don't talk to them, we talk only two of them or three of them, then there might be the competition from the other side talking to the rest. And although we win those two, we lost the uh, remaining 10. So at the end of the day, we lose the deal. Yeah, man, so, it is, uh, you're, you're winning, like, it's political. It's very political, is what I'm yeah, realizing. Yeah, it is. Crazy. Yeah, it is, it is, it is. It requires, it's a whole yeah. other level. It requires a lo lot of patience and a lot of thinking in that. Well, I think when you, from an education standpoint, you know, because most of our listeners are, you know, small to medium-sized business, salespeople, mm -hmm. sales orgs, or business owners, I think from an education standpoint, what, what they can take from that is it's not always about the decision maker. It's also about the company as a whole and making sure that you're Absolutely. getting everybody on board. Because when they go to make that decision, getting everybody on board, whether it be the project managers or the salespeople at that company or the market CMO, you know, CSO, whatever the case is, the more people that you get on board when they have that meeting and they make that decision, then your decision is going to go a lot smoother because you've you've hit it from every absolutely. angle. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. You don't want to you don't want to get there any blockers. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so sales doc, what's next for you guys? What are you guys working on right now? What's in the pipeline? Is there certain uh, areas that you're after, or what's next for you guys? Yeah, well, we're on the path to become the leading European. Uh, sales consultancy so nice. we just uh, started recruiting uh, uh, our partners for for international markets mm. um, yeah and uh, we're also we last year we released a new service which was uh, talent acquisition for the salespeople uh, so recruiting mm -hmm. salespeople or recruiting uh, CROs and VP of sales and also, we we set up a subsidiary company for Salesforce uh, implementation because so nice. that we can provide a 360 view on the sales. And this year is about okay. So we have few few plates spinning, and we have to make them stable and grow them uh, as fast as uh, as we defined yeah. for that. And that that's a lot of lot of stuff on our plate right now. No, that's amazing. Speaking, and yeah. I, I love I love the Salesforce implementation because I, I do believe Salesforce is the best CRM out there, at least US based or in available to the US. Um, but it is incredibly complicated, you know. And the only time yeah. that I really got the full benefits from it is when I had someone someone in the company that was uh, I think what is it called? Trailhead certified or they've yeah. gone through the, their their trailhead system or whatever they call it. I can't remember what it's called, but um, no, no, no. You have... You're right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And uh, that's, that's incredibly important. So that, I think that's really cool that you guys are doing that. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to pivot. Oh, go ahead. Now, I just wanted to say one thing. You're absolutely correct though. At a certain period of time, the only CRM you end up is the Salesforce. The mm -hmm. path could be through the, through the different ones once you're smaller and so on. But usually also was the best practice once you build up the company uh, which has several hundreds of employees, you end mm -hmm. up on Salesforce. And the second one you you set up, 
you set it up right away with Salesforce because you know, hey, I don't want to go through the mi migration within a year or two yeah. years. I just like let's let's do it in a way as it should be. The, <laughs> let's do it now. Beginning. Yeah, let's exactly. Absolutely. So uh, one of the talking points of the show, because you know we do we do believe great leaders build great sales teams, right? And Absolutely. so one of the talking points of the show is legacy. I think you know, it all comes down to that legacy motivation, right? And legacy means different things for different people. And so my last few questions for you is, what does legacy mean to you? And what legacy do you want to leave behind? Uh, okay, this is, this, is a, this is an interesting question. For me, you know, my, I would use another, another of my quotes, uh, what my grandfather was always telling me. He told me, hey, nobody will look at the world. Uh, no, at the end of the day, nobody will ask uh, how long did you did that, but everybody will ask you who did that. So that's also how I look at the projects that whatever we do, we have an impact uh, impact on the customers, and uh, that's and that's uh, that's in SalesDoc that we just don't deliver the workshops. We try to change the change the behavior of the salespeople. So that's uh, afterwards when you see when you see the customers referring you not the customers or uh, saying, hey, this actually, if we have done it two years ago, we would be way, uh, way farther in our development. That's uh, that's the legacy for us. So be, leave behind the uh, great projects uh, with the great people. And sometimes, yeah, we go the extra mile. We were not that profitable on the project, but uh, after all of the project we've done, we can say, hey, we've done everything we could in order to make the pro project successful or keep the project alive as the attitude. No, I love it. And I think that's massive. The last thing that you said too, is like, you know, it takes a certain level of success to say, Hey, the, the project is more important than the profit in this situation. And we're going to go after having a massive impact with the project. Cause I think it's very important what your grandfather said, you know, it doesn't matter how long you do something that matters who did it. You know, that's, I love that. That's a great, great quote. Definitely going to steal that one. What's your grandfather's name? <laughs> oh, Rostislava. I guess it's going to be quite complicated for you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do our best. We'll do our best to quote him in the show notes for sure. For sure. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, we're going to uh, post all your links in the show notes. So if any anybody uh, is interested in sales docs or just in following you, and uh, learning from you or following your podcast, then they can do that. Um, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing this this uh, next level knowledge. I think uh, we're all very excited to implement. Cool. Thank you very much for a pleasant talk with you and uh, <laughs> wishing you best of luck with your podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jacob. Let's get building. Cool. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. We appreciate it. Be sure to execute on everything that you just heard and let's get building. Before we sign off, we'd like to invite you to join our Brickyard community. Head on over to jointhebrickyard.com. Again, that's jointhebrickyard.com or click the link in the description to find out more.